Greetings, everyone. Welcome, sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. This is Steve Ferguson. You're listening to Two Guys in the Conversation. I'm joined today with our co-host, Brad Moore. And uh, we're going to start off our show today, Brad, talking a little local high school sports. And I think this is going to be our best show ever. I think as we get through our local sports, talk a little college football and and area college sports, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for you to uh, have some therapy and talk about your Huskers tonight. (laughs) You know what? So so we go to our top six in the Big Ten, and when we get there, Nebraska will not be a part of it. So I don't know how much time we'll have for the Huskers this week. We might have to have a separate show for you. I might have to record two this week. Yeah, right. Hey, let's talk about uh, Keelan Golf, man. Coach Andy Foster's team, uh, Missouri River Athletic Conference champs over at Willow Creek uh, Lamar's the other day. And and uh, pretty impressive numbers they played. In, uh, you know, and you're a great golfer, Brad. You know, 45 degrees and breezy, that's tough to play. And uh, Jackson Thompson, Iowa recruit, Jackson Thompson, Iowa recruit, shot 71 uh, medalists. And uh, hoping he becomes a Hawkeye, and uh, that's pretty impressive in that cold weather, Brad. Yeah, three hundred nine. So w- when I was in uh, high school, we did win a, a Class B Nebraska State Championship, and our goal was always to get under three twenty uh, between the four wow. counting scores. And uh, so Helan wins it with a three hundred nine. Jackson Thompson with the seventy one, he wins it by three strokes over Jacob Massey uh, from runner up Sergeant Bluff. So uh, Jackson Thompson wins, and uh, Helan wins. We have uh, Brett Sitzman seventy eight. Jude Dieterman, yeah. 80, Joe Adams, 80, uh, Zach Ewell, yeah. 82, and Paul Brokhouse, 86. So in those conditions, that's good shooting. Yeah, good balance, and uh, it sets them up well uh, going into district play, I think, uh, this uh, coming week, I believe it is, over at Whispering Creek Home Course for Healing. Those top four names, uh, Adams, Dieterman, Fitzman, Thompson, were also all conference with their scores, so Congratulations to the Healing Boys uh, golf team. That's pretty impressive, and good luck in district. Yeah, that's great. I talked to Jackson's uh, uh, grandfather last night, and he was he was very proud. I think Jackson is uh, peaking at the right time. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fun. We we know Jackson well. What a great kid. We've mentioned that before, and I sure hope he becomes a Hawkeye. Hey, uh, a couple quick notes on area volleyball. Sergeant Bluff is now ranked number one in three A. And they went up to Hull Western Christian and took on number one, 2A Hull this past week, defeated them in five sets. That had to be an incredible environment up there. And, and uh, you know, the quality of volleyball in our area is, I think, deeply underappreciated uh, by a lot of folks around the country. There are just always stellar um, young ladies that develop Sioux County, around Sioux City. Uh, you know, Sergeant Bluff's got the Foley girl that's going to probably set the all-time record for kills there. Uh, there just continues to be player after player emerging in high school volleyball around our area. Right? Yeah, and the reason that they're uh, such accomplished high school players in this area are w- we have some great coaches. There, There's great coaching throughout northwest Iowa, uh, South Dakota, greater Siouxland area, Omaha, Lincoln. Great competition, uh, a lot of travel teams that uh, do a great job of developing these young players. Yeah, so true. So true. I've uh, gone through that experience a little bit, and it's uh, that's spot on. Uh, one quick note, again, on volleyball. Allie Beersford, as we, we've chatted about Allie before, she's the uh, setter from Dakota Valley that's committed to the University of Sioux Falls, uh, is leading the number one ranked Dakota Valley Panthers uh, right now, uh, Class A number one. And she was just named uh, top three uh, finalist, potentially, for Player of the Year in Class A. So congratulations to Allie. And uh, keep an eye on the progress of the uh, Panthers as another Sulan volleyball team that's going to make some noise at state. 
Football. Let's talk football, Brad. Uh, I want to take one quick note about the East Side Black Raiders. You know, the, the Zealand had them, um, and uh, East uh, pulled that game out. Um, but East is five and one, and the only loss is, is to Sergeant Bluff, and uh, they're they're marching along with having a pretty good season. Um, and uh, we thought that they had a good team, and, and they're proving it to us, Brad. Yeah, and their offense has really been opening it up lately. Um, I think their defense, the only time I saw them was against Helan. I thought their defense did a great job. But it looks like now they're scoring a few more points, and as we noticed in that uh, Helan game, they certainly have some uh, um, weapons at the skilled positions. Yeah. You know, you and I talk every show about Helan and you know, and healing football and the fact we know we've got a strong defense. We know we've got playmakers. We've had an unfortunate injury um, at, at, at quarterback. And, uh, but uh, we've got a very capable young sophomore that's stepping up in Luke Longville. And, and we talked about Sergeant Bluff being that real opportunity to gain a lot of momentum and what it would take. It would take, you know, some breaks. It would take uh, a big play. And Heelan had themselves in position leading 16-7 to 7 going into that fourth quarter, Brad. And, and uh, unfortunately, the wind, I think, was a factor in that game um, and uh, kind of flipped the field position on it. Yeah, um, there's a couple unfortunate turnovers. Daniel Wright is a great player. Uh, in the end, I think it was just too hard to contain him. But it's really too bad. Uh, they had him into the fourth quarter and – the loss kind of overshadows a really great game by Jake Koontz, who had uh, 160 yeah. rushing yards. And Michael uh, Rizik on the defensive side uh, led Helan with uh, 10 tackles. So actually a wow. good game for Helan. It was a great game. And we, whenever we talked about how, how do you what has to happen in a game like this for Helan, the underdog, well, opening kickoff, big turnover, Braden Boo Pratt hustles down, and uh, gets that uh, uh, initial fumble recovery, which set up field position, and and it was a field position game, and and Helan stuck around seven two at half, you know, and all of a sudden get that big play to Camden Lee. We brought his name up a lot. Longwell hits Camden Lee for a touchdown, I think 28, 29 yards, and then momentum's on Helan's side. They hold Sergeant Bluff. Coons breaks off the big run, and and I'm glad you mentioned Coons. It sounds to me from what I've heard. What we're seeing that Coons is kind of emerging as a pretty solid back uh, that's going to give him a really good uh, run opportunity that down the stretch here. Yeah, so Coons and and the development of the young quarterback is is really key there. Um, long ball, um, you know, he's going to make a lot of strides. I, I think the competition is a little easier now than what it has been. And and really, when you look at East, don't underestimate. Um, how what a luxury it is to have the the numbers on the sidelines that East has, and so it's yeah, really true. um the bigger schools, even SBL's little bigger school, the depth they have. I think you see at the end of these games, it starts to wear on Helan a little bit because of numbers. But uh, as the quarterback matures and and the running back develops, um, you know, I would not be surprised to see Helan win the rest of them on the schedule. Hey, you just you took my my next thought away. Who's better? Who? What better one and four team in the state than the Healing Crusaders? None. I wouldn't want to play them. You read Roger Jansen's article in the paper. He's very optimistic, Brad. They have a lot to look forward to. And and like you said, who's a better one and four team in the state than Healing? 
I uh, I think they're going to, like you said, be very, very tough to play against. I wouldn't want to play them. But a little insider information. Tonight they're playing Denison Sleswick, a very talented program, challenging program, but Denison Sleswick's quarterback's out. Got a little insider tip from T. Morgan, Travis Morgan, voice of the Crusaders. Um, and by the way, stay tuned for their pregame show following our uh, our show tonight. Uh, the quarterback's out. We got a, We got a level playing field. And this is my second lock pick that I've provided on two guys in the conversation. Book it. Keelan beats Denison Sleswig tonight. Hey, we'll be back in a few minutes uh, with uh, two guys in the conversation and uh, catch you on the backside. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And I uh, want to get a shout-out to the uh, the team at Sterling Computers for putting together our show. I'm on the road traveling. I'm actually in Cleveland, Ohio, visiting my son Tanner and his wife, Kayla. And uh, and Brad is at uh, North Sioux City in the, uh, uh, the Sterling Computer Campus, and their uh, high-tech, high-quality staff there has put this thing together so we could uh, – record our show a couple of crazy guys that uh, got to get together and talk sports and we do it from afar because technology helps us so and, shout and out to them. for sure and with our busy schedule we usually don't give them a lot of notice when we record so thanks to yeah, them they they make this happen because uh we don't have a ton of time to prepare for our little show we're just sitting around talking on a couch but they make it high tech and we really appreciate it so now we get to enter the room of knowledge um brad and steve's room of knowledge also known as Rock, R-O-K. Um, and we're, we've been kind of focusing, because it's football season on our f- favorite subjects, on um, uh, Big Ten football. And we've been doing a little bit of a, a of our own analysis and, and uh, rankings every week. So, Brad, I think you and I are on the same page again. Um, and we're going to talk that Ohio State, and I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm sure a believer after Saturday, I, I mean, they're complete in every area of the game, and uh, it's not very often that you see any team in the Big Ten, let alone, you know, Nebraska type of uh, team that, you know, is not at the top, but they're also not at the bottom. They were dominated in every single phase of the game. They're, they were dominated on the line, both sides of the ball. Uh, their receivers couldn't get open. Their their defensive backs weren't covering the receivers. They couldn't stop the quarterback. So I wouldn't disagree. I haven't seen a lot of Alabama and Clemson and Georgia this year, but uh, Ohio State is much improved from last year. Yeah, I think I think Clemson is dropping. I think in in everybody's view, including mine, after watching them barely win at North Carolina. I think it's really a, an Alabama-Ohio State race with the Georgia kind of the hanging around there, too. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. But I think the quarterback fields from Ohio State and, and uh, Hurts from Oklahoma are probably the two front runners for the Heisman now at this point of the season. Um, they're both putting up some crazy, crazy numbers. And Fields is so efficient. I, I mean, he, yeah. he runs the ball when he needs to run the ball. He doesn't try and squeeze anything in there. Got a lot of touchdown passes for uh, the number of interceptions. I think he's only got maybe four turnovers this year. So um, he makes them a very hard team uh, to beat. Totally agree. I watched him, you know, break out of the pocket. He's so physical and fast. And 
So a very special talent. And once again, the Buckeyes reloaded on us. But uh, uh, it's going to be fun to watch their progress. I'm glad our Hawkeyes don't have to play them this year. Yeah, you know, Number so Steve, with, yeah, there okay. there still is uh, five undefeated teams in, in in the Big Ten that, that are all looking good right now. And, and you'll go down them in our uh, top six here. But uh, I was a little yeah. surprised. I didn't realize there were still five undefeated Big Ten teams. Well, the other thing is when we talk about it a little bit later is uh, scoring defense. I believe the Big Ten has four of the top five or six scoring defenses in the country, uh, including the Iowa Hawkeyes up there. So that's another interesting stat. But number two, we got Wisconsin, okay? And I, here's what happened in the Wisconsin game. Pat Fitzgerald, old linebacker, good coach, good defensive coach, gave the Big Ten the recipe of how to beat Wisconsin. They didn't get it done but they showed how to slow down that, uh, that offense. And Wisconsin had to score, I think, a couple of uh, TDs uh, defensively. I mean, they're so solid, but it did show a little, I think, a chink in the armor there, Brad. Yeah, so Northwestern is pathetic offensively, and they had their chances. They crowded the line of scrimmage. They slow, slowed down Taylor. Uh, they, they made Wisconsin somewhat one-dimensional. It was a good game. The, the other thing is, is uh, Northwestern, going to be interesting Saturday to see how they do against uh, Nebraska with that same defense. But still, Wisconsin undefeated, uh, cruising along, you know, didn't look stellar, uh, but it it was a win. Well, what Northwestern does better than anybody in the Big Ten is shuts Iowa's game game down because they they understand how to flow into that zone read blocking that Iowa likes to do. And if Iowa doesn't have a really talented running back that can cut back, uh, they just shut him down. Fitzgerald just yells out right, left, you know, by formation, and, and they just flock to the ball. But here's what's going to happen in the Nebraska game. Martinez is going to have a huge game. They won't be able to contain him. They might be able to stop the run initially, but then it's going to be opened up. The playmaker, They won't be able to guard the playmakers for Nebraska. Nebraska is going to have a big bounce back, I believe, against Northwestern this uh, this weekend. I, I had to move Penn State, and you did too, to number three. They're just looking so dang dominant. Um with with skill set uh, and and talent out there, Brad and and uh, I think they're legit number three right now. Yeah, I've got a close between Penn State and Iowa. I probably give the nod to Penn State. They've had a little tougher schedule so far, but uh, right. tell you what, Iowa goes up there, wins at Michigan, which would be huge, and I'm I'm anxious to get your take on that. But uh, then then they would vault right back up. No no doubt about it. This is the this weekend. And by the way, I'll, I'm going to the game. Saturday in Ann Arbor, we're going to drive over from uh, Cleveland. My brother-in-law uh, is a big Michigan fan, so he's offered to let me sit next to him during the game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it, that will be a big measuring stick for the the Hawkeyes. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about some of the statistics that they're bringing in the game. I think the biggest question mark, Brad, is, is you know, Iowa State. How good is really Iowa State? Uh, they played three kind of patsies. Rutgers, horrible. Uh, Middle Tennessee was couldn't physically match up, and uh, my own, Miami of Ohio was Miami of Ohio. So it, we don't know yet, but they look impressive up front. I will throw out two things real quick on Iowa. Tristan Wurst is most likely the, the front runner right now for the Outland Trophy um, versus the tackle from Alabama. He's just now has been projected by two mock drafts from the top ten. Uh, what's happened, he's the right tackle that's been able to go to the left tackle, and, and that versatility with his athleticism is making the NFL scouts go crazy. So that's pretty interesting. So you got two guys that are potential top 10 NFL 
picks next year, Brad, in your offense and your defense. And I think that's why Iowa's hanging in there so well. Um, Michigan State, we got to keep them up there. But once again, they barely they barely hung on and beat Indiana. So I think that showed a little bit of uh, again uh, flaws in their defense. You know, Michigan State's hard to read. You know, they're kind of up and down, and and they look good at times. They don't look so good at times, but uh, they are four and one, two and zero in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, they're hanging around. They're they're in my top five, definitely. Yeah. Well, it almost makes me ill to have to put Minnesota at six along with Michigan, but we're going to have to. They're undefeated. Uh, they had a pretty big win at Purdue, and uh, again, I don't know how good Purdue is. I think Purdue's marginal this year. Um, so we don't know yet uh, about the, the Gophers, but we've got to get them up there, and they're continuing to win. So we'll see what happens after this weekend. Uh, and then we got to put Michigan back up with the bounce back and the talent. And you've said it before. Uh, they're, they're so talented. They're still a good team. And uh, I'm very nervous about uh, the Hawkeyes going into the big house uh, and playing Michigan uh, because I think they're probably a little chippy after getting uh, their tails whipped up there at uh, Madison, Brad. Yeah, so th- this is a great game for Iowa. I mean, this will tell the story on Iowa. I was with uh, some of my buddies this morning during our workout, all Hawkeye fans, by the way, and we were talking about Iowa, and I said, uh, you know, this this is going to tell. Is Iowa going to be a potential 12-2 and team, or is Iowa going to, uh, you know, take a step back towards the middle of the pack yeah. with Nebraska. And if they can get by this Michigan team, I think they're the real deal. I mean, they look good. They don't hurt themselves. They're solid at both lines. I could really see this being a breakout uh, year for Iowa, but they've got to get over this Michigan game. Hey, Brad, I hope you're right. Well, listen, everybody, we got a little more to talk about in our college sports roundup coming up after the break on Two Guys in a Conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in the Conversation. Steve Ferguson along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And it's time for a little uh, college sports roundup, um, you know, talking uh, Morningside sports, uh, Briarcliff sports, and uh, kind of our big three, a little Iowa State uh, discussion, Iowa, and, of course, Nebraska. Uh, Brad, Morningside, uh, just going to give you some updates over there. On, well, first of all, on volleyball, uh, Emma Gerber, uh, senior, is now at 1,000 kills, 12 12th player in the history of Morningside Volleyball to achieve that. As we know, Emma was the homecoming queen, uh, nursing student, and just been a great student athlete over there and, and a real talent. If you uh, if you get out and watch any GPAC volleyball locally, watch Emma Gerber in the middle. She is an athletic, fun player to watch. Uh, but unfortunately, Morningside dropped uh, their second match to St. Mary of Omaha, coached by Rick Pruitt. So that's the second time that uh, St. Mary and Omaha has beaten Morningside, dropping them to three and five in the GPAC. Uh, Callie Albarico, uh, the senior setter, was back at the helm uh, after starting the first six, six games uh, as, as, as the setter, and then they, they changed things up, and, uh, and then she's back at it, but unfortunately the loss. So, you know, what ails Morningside Volleyball uh, a little bit, Brad, is your, your word continuity and consistency they've got talent it's just that in volleyball if you talk to volleyball coaches you have to have the same sort of setup the same go you i I think they change things up a little bit at times i think it hurts them so i was in uh, san diego watching husker volleyball 
and uh, not very many in attendance out there. So I was able to sit front row um, right behind the Nebraska bench. I was amazed at the amount of communicating that goes on on the volleyball court, and that is key, and that's why the teams that are uh, senior-dominated and have played together for a while usually do pretty well. Yeah, it's tough to change things up, I think, in such a team-orientated sport. So hopefully they can bounce back and make a run and try to get back to be one of the host teams again. Dreyer Clipso is going to make it tough on them. Hey, quick note from Morningside Football. They had a bye week. Ranked number one in the country. However, Northwestern is now number eight. And a big, big game at the end of the season is uh, starting to loom there for the uh, uh, Mustangs of Coach Steve Ryan. One other note, uh, Joel Kotzer, uh, senior linebacker uh, for Morningside, was named a semifinalist for the Campbell Award. And for, for those of you uh, that uh, don't know what the Campbell Award is, the Academic Heisman. It's open to every football player, regardless of division. So Division One, Two, Three, and, and uh, NAI. Some previous winners that we uh, recognize: Peyton Manning and Tim Tebow. So congratulations to Joel. They'll name the finalists for that award at the end of the month. If you're a, and they think that's like 14 of them get to go to New York. And if they are named a finalist, it's a 20 or 25 thousand dollar postgraduate scholarship. So Steve Ryan has continued to put out very, very quality. Um, uh, athletes that have high community service and, and academic performance. And uh, so this is a trend that's been going on for a while at Morningside. Right? Hey, and nobody knows that better than Sterling Computers. We've got about uh, a dozen, up close to a dozen former uh, Morningside athletes on our staff here, all very high achieving, very intelligent, uh, uh, you know, good kids. That's awesome. That's awesome to get you are able to attract and keep this local talent, which is great for our community. And and I'm glad it's serving your your uh, business well. What's happening over at the cliff, Brad? Well, Briar Cliff uh, dropped a tight one. It's a, it's really unfortunate. This is a game they should have won. They had seven turnovers in a, a 16 to 14 uh, loss to Concordia University. Um, you, you know, we talk about turnovers all the time. Almost impossible to overcome those turnovers. Uh, they didn't get much done on the ground. Uh, their passing game uh, was a little bit better. Uh, they passed for about 175 yards, but their um, their defense continues to shine. To to hold Concordia to 16 points um, with seven turnovers by the offense is is pretty amazing. So anyway, they yeah. they are uh, now three and two. Um, they go to Midland on Saturday. Uh, before they they come back to the Sioux City area. So uh, Concordia is still strong defense, playing really well. Or I'm yeah, sorry, well, Bart Cliff. Yeah, yeah. That will be an interesting test for Morningside coming up when they when they meet. Uh, so uh, um, Iowa State, real quick, uh, down 20 to nothing at Baylor, going the fourth quarter, scored 21 straight points, take the lead, and then unfortunately give up a late field goal to lose. Uh, kind of a tough one uh, to, to lose there on the road to Baylor. They've got a big game this week with TCU, Brad, and this it's make or break it time for their season because that Big 12 is really tough. So they got to win this one this weekend, don't you think? Yeah, it's not getting any easier, and they better not have any Baylor hangover. TCU is good, um, so so they need to come ready to play. But uh, Iowa State, it, it, you know, they're another team that is hard to get a read on just how good they are so far. So yeah. that's what I love about this time of year is, is – once you get into conference play in some of these tough games, uh, you begin to see, you know, who's for real, who's good. And, and uh, you know, I think that this is, uh, as with Iowa, Iowa State, you know, really this is the time that they got to start to put it together. 
Yeah, and it's fun to watch teams that actually develop throughout the season, too. And that's always kind of been the Iowa Hawkeyes formula for success is they sometimes would lose some early season games but develop down the road. So speaking of the Hawkeyes, they're number one um, in the FBS in turnovers. They've had one turnover in four games. Uh, They're 17 for 17 in red zone scoring, 12 touchdowns, five field goals. They're one of the tops in the country in third down efficiencies. And that means on third down, they're getting the first down. And that all, that all is, I think, one thing we got to think about. Nate Stanley, senior quarterback, no interceptions. Uh, his maturity is really showing up. Again, we don't know how good the competition's been, but those stats are very impressive as they head to Michigan. And here's the, the thing that's been trending for him, Brad. Stanley has played his best against the best defenses. Uh, the out the, uh, the the outback bowl that they played Mississippi State uh, last game uh, last year and they won that bowl game. Uh, Mississippi State had three guys that won the first round of the NFL draft and Stanley was the difference maker. They couldn't run the ball. He had to throw the ball for the win. Uh, so I I I you know I think he's going to play well. I think it's going to come down to Iowa being able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, they get a Larry Jackson back, the all second team All Big Ten tackle. Uh, he's going to be back in the lineup for the Hawks, and uh, we're going to find out if they uh, if they're the real deal here very very quickly. Uh, if, if, and it's going to come up front, Brad. It's going to be does their offensive line have the capability of, of moving uh, the defensive line of Michigan, um, and then can the defensive backs for Iowa stop the wide receivers for Michigan? Those okay. are my keys to the game. Yep, and here's my prediction: uh, Shea Patterson is almost. Uh, as bad as uh, Martinez from Nebraska when it comes to turnovers. I think those two lead the Big Ten in turnovers. I think a late Michigan turnover will be the difference in the game. I think Stanley plays well. Um, so I expect Iowa to win this one. Well, I hope so. Hey, that was a, that was one of the most incredible electric game day atmospheres at Lincoln the other day, uh, Brad, for the for the build-up, the Ohio State game. It, it was it, As a football fan, it was – it was exciting, and it was great to see Lincoln back in the spotlight uh, again. It was such a bummer because Ohio State was so dominant. And, and unfortunately, that first drive that when uh, Martinez threw that interception, I think if they could have scored early, I think it would have been a totally different night for the Huskers. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Ohio State was pretty good. But the atmosphere is electric. Uh, Nebraska fans are hungry for a good team. They're hungry for a big win. Uh, it was sold out even though it was raining. And uh, even uh, into the fourth quarter, well into the f- fourth quarter, the, the fans stuck around um, and were engaged and cheering. Uh, so, so the environment was great um, in the stands. It's just uh, nothing on the field was going Nebraska's way. So, but uh, with college game day there, um, great environment, uh, fun day. A lot. It, it, it was great. It's just that uh, Nebraska. Um, certainly needs to come up big in a big environment like that. They haven't beat a top 10 opponent for a long time. And so they're due. Well, they're going to continue to make progress under Scott Frost. We know that. And, and, and there's going to be some bumps in the road and uh, you know, that's part of it. Um, And I think that will probably help temper the fan base just a little bit to say, okay, this is a work in progress. And uh, you know, they're going to keep marching along with him at the helm, Uh, but he's got work to do in that up front and, and interior line. And, and they'll get it done. There's no doubt about it. So, so they have. To see. They did sign uh, three high four-star offensive tackles. They got the uh, number wow. one uh, player from Minnesota, number one player from uh, Kansas, uh, number one player from Nebraska. All 
six foot six to six foot nine, three hundred pound tackles. And so he knows what he needs to survive in the Big Ten. Well, we'll find out how the Huskers uh, and, and the Wildcats uh, perform this week. And we'll talk more next week on our show. Two guys in the conversation signing off, Steve Ferguson and Brad Moore. Thanks for listening, everybody.